Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. What does pride look like? Well, pride is simply this. Two big a view of me, too small a view of God. It's like taking binoculars and reversing them. So I'm the one that's important, and God is really small. That's simply pride. It leads to overconfidence, a cocky attitude, self-wisdom, just like we heard the religious Jewish person say. We hear the story of the two men at prayer, and of course, we think that we are much closer to the tax collector than to the Pharisee. But if a camera crew followed us around or there was a way to pick up our thoughts, what then? If we're honest, we have to admit that we have more Pharisee moments than we'd like to admit. Thankfully, God is full of grace, and forgiveness comes as soon as we acknowledge our sin. Pastor Mark will be teaching about how to be successful in praying showing us from the scriptures what God and Jesus think the proper approach to be. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 16 with part three of his message, Two Keys of Successful Prayer. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. The Pharisee walked away. He is humbled. He got no response from God at all because he never even asked for anything. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. The tax collector was forgiven because he had a humble attitude and he acknowledged his needs that his sins needed to be forgiven. The only way you'll ever get to heaven is to humble yourself and say, I need God's forgiveness. You will never get to heaven by saying, God, here's all I did for you. Good works are fine, but they'll never get you there. And see, you have a sin nature and we sin by practice. And the only way any of us, when we became a Christian, I had to ask God's forgiveness. It was humbling. I had to admit that I was a sinner. When we go through the week and we're Christians, we still sin. We have to go to 1 John 1, 9. God, I'm asking you to forgive me that sin. That was stupid what I did there. That's humbling. If I put a list this morning of all the sins Christians have done this week, by your name with a Facebook right after it. Here's what she did. Here's what he did. Would anybody be going, that's me on the screen? No, you go like this. Nobody knows me, do they? Because we'd be what? Humbled. If I exalt myself, what happens? Nothing good. I'm going to be humbled. But if I humble myself and go, yeah, that's me. 
I needed God's forgiveness again. Praise God. He doesn't go, again, Mark Balmer? Yes, I'll forgive you. Why? Grace. Grace. Now, what is the second key? You should already know. Humility is key number two to successful prayer. You don't ask God and go, God, I got the answer. Just want your rubber stamp. Thank you so much. No, we're humble. God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your direction. I can't do life alone. I just can't. So he's talking about our attitude. Interesting, God exalts the humble, but humbles those who exalt themselves. Now, think about this. In this room, every single one of us are prideful people. There isn't a person here that doesn't battle pride. Not one. And we battle it our whole life. It's one of the huge sins. That's how the world got started with Satan taking over this world. Because he wanted to outdo God. And God said, through with you. That sin of pride has come to you and me. And we all struggle with it. Because it's, who would, if I just read you that verse, if you're going to be humble, God will exalt you. If you're going to be prideful, he'll humble you. Who would want to be prideful? But we do it because we're sinful people. Now, watch this. You know this from God. God hates pride. But he loves humility. Notice James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. What does pride look like? Well, pride is simply this. Too big a view of me, too small a view of God. It's like taking binoculars and reversing them. So I'm the one that's important. And God is really small. That's simply pride. It leads to overconfidence, a cocky attitude, self-wisdom, just like we heard the religious Jewish person say, I'm your favorite. I really don't need you, God. So thank you so much. Can't wait to see you in heaven. But spiritual pride is always this as well. I want my agenda and not God's agenda. So there's no reason to even pray. I'll just do life my way. But the Bible says this, Proverbs 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. I've experienced that many times in my life. Because people that are in front, pastors, musicians, owners, presidents, vice presidents, congressmen, people that are always in the news, head news cat. We're always in front of people. We have much more chance to be prideful. But every single one of you do as well. Now, there's another part that we saw that you would say doesn't really happen, but it does. The Pharisee was not only prideful against God. He was prideful against other people. Do you remember what he said in his quote prayer to the tax collector? And I'm not like that guy. So what was he doing? I'm better than you. So Pastor Mark, I never think I'm better than anybody else. There will be an altar call at the end. Because we've all been there. Now, let me tell you this. Pride is looking down at others because they're not as good as me. 
So, Pastor Mark, I've never done that. Yes, you have. How does that look? I can have a feeling of being superior according to money, family, intelligence, race, physical looks, IQ, all the letters behind your name, the subdivision you live in, the cars you drive, and one of the worst ones where I look down on other people. I'm more holy and righteous than that person there, guaranteed. God hates that. And I'm so glad to say to you this morning, by and large, we don't have that kind of pride in here. You didn't come in and sit down and go, and that's same next to that person. They speak a different language. You better shut up because they probably know seven and you can't even speak English hardly. <laughs> Can I hear an amen right there? Been there, done that. Well, I'm so sorry. My language isn't so good. It's pretty good to me. Oh, here's the other seven I know. Whoa. And I'm so glad when you come in here, it doesn't matter the person's skin, what they drive, what they look like, how talented they are, what their IQ is, what's behind their name, where they live. But we are all alike because we're made in the image of God. Thank you. Thank you. And when that stupid pride comes up, say, God, forgive me. Just forgive me. What a stupid thing to be prejudiced against somebody. The last place prejudice should ever be is in the family of Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for being that way. Now, when you see that, that's exactly what that man did. And many religious people do that today. I'm more spiritual. Than I can quote the Bible more. Just sh- shut up. Because if you don't, he'll cause you to fall. We've all been there. And we had to say to God, God, I'm so sorry. That was so stupid. And then we're humbled. And that's not a good feeling. I can tell you personally. Now, what does a prideful prayer sound like? God, here's what I want. I figured it out. Please answer my prayer soon. Thank you. You figured what out? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. None of us do. No, that's a stupid, prideful prayer. What's a humble prayer sound like? Uh, God, I want your will in this situation. Please show me what to do, and I'll gladly obey. Now, you're on the right line. Remember, when we kind of take God out of the picture, what are we doing? We're saying that we can do life ourselves. Let me read this to you. Jesus said, yes, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me have a relationship with Jesus. And I and them, well, you'll produce much fruit. For apart from me, let's get your little zero out. Everybody get your zero, hold your zero up. The verse says, but apart from me, you can do, let's say it, nothing. Now that's humbling, isn't it? That takes us all on the level. But with him, I can do all things. So don't think out there, well, God, I really don't need you because I kind of have it together. We do not have it together. Without him spiritually, we can do zero, nada, nothing. But with him, the whole thing, man, it's here. It's here. And God will eventually not use a prideful person. Why? Because they're going to fall. He uses humble people. Because humble people acknowledge where their help comes from. My help comes from the Lord. 
and your help come. I couldn't do this. No pastor could do this. No musician could play like that without help from the Lord. And you can't do life without help from the Lord. Amen. Amen. And amen. Now, when you see that happening, I'll show this one and you, you, you might be shocked with it, but here it is. Do you know? Because I just talked about it. Not to pray. It's frightful. People that don't pray, they're not just lazy, they're prideful because they don't need help. Oh, there will come a day when you'll pray. I just showed you. 90% of people pray when there's a sickness. Why? Because their earthly options are closed. So you and I will do the same. Look what Paul says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about How much? Everything. Just pray about everything. Tell God what you need, because he's not like the judge. He loves to have you talk to him. And thank him for all he has done. Part of prayer is thanking God. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So let me just challenge all of us this morning. Pray persistently. Pray with humility. But pray, because <laughs> that is the humble way to get the will of God in your life. Now, the next thing he does, which is interesting, he takes the humble attitude and faith, and he's going to use children as an illustration. Look in verse 15. Now, people were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. And when the disciples saw this, They rebuked them, the parents. Don't bring your kids to Jesus. Now, this is a very common thing in Jewish days, still is today. Jewish parents would seek the blessing of a a religious person, a prophet, a rabbi. And of course, Jesus is there. He's the talk of the town. So they want that blessing. We do the same thing when we dedicate children. We don't baptize them because they don't know what's happening. So we have the children come and one of the pastors will hold that child and play a blessing over them. And of course, mom and dad are there or mom or dad or whatever. And we just pray for them to have wisdom to raise their kids. So it was a normal kind of thing to lay hands upon the person and invoke a blessing upon them. But notice, now the disciples had this lesson numbers of times and they blew it every time. And what they were saying when they came was they decided Jesus, without saying it to him, this is not a priority. These are babies. These are kids. These are eight-year-olds. Forget it. We have more things to do than bless these kids. Look at that line. It's not important in your ministry. They're only children. And by the way, in in that day, children were really a priority in in the nations of the world. But what is Jesus going to do that when he sees them saying to the parents, stop, 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 stop. Look at verse 16. But Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me, right to his disciples. He's rebuking them. And do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, heaven, belongs to such as these. He, he gives a double command. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. Now he's saying that to hard-hearted Jewish people and self-centered disciples. And then he tells them, watch the way 
this should work. What is Jesus going to say? I read this in Mark, and I want you to see what this verse is in Mark at the response. Then he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. So at every child, every single one came. He didn't do it as a group. He put them in his lap. He'd talk with them, pick them up, bless them, and whatever. What was Jesus saying to them and to us this morning? Here it is. All children are a priority to God, and thus they must be a priority to us. Now, why was he saying that? Jesus took time with each child, and he was saying to his disciples, no, 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 no. These little ones are important. Now, why are our children important? For instance, children are a priority in our church. And that doesn't mean that you're not a priority, but they are a high priority in our church. So we have great children's ministry, Awanas, we have all these kind of things. Thank you for all the teachers and the people that are teaching them. They're learning at a young age. Now, why is it important at this day and age for us as a church because Jesus gave us the example, to have children as a priority. Because from the day they were born, they were born with this will from God that they would become Christ followers. How do I know that every person born, whatever nation, God designed them to be a Christian and spend heaven with them? Because his word in the Old Testament, New Testament, his will that none perish. So first of all, it's God's will that they come to Christ. Now, where are they going to learn that? They're going to learn it in the home. I'll have that in a moment. They're going to learn it in a church. Now, to us in our society, why is it important that these kids, anywhere from four, five, six, whatever, even younger, all the way up to our teenage kids, why is it important that we focus on raising them and seeing them in our bands, as we heard that's going to happen in the camps? Why is it important? Because of this one thing. We know this is basically true, very close. Here it is. We're one generation in the United States or any nation. You're basically one generation from becoming a total non-Christian world. In one generation, if these children, none of them come to the Lord, what's the next generation look like? Well, they're going to raise kids who know nothing about God. They don't know his word. They have no relationship. They've never heard a personal relationship. If we miss that generation and we just continue to miss it, this nation will be way worse than it is already. Why is it like this? Because we've missed a generation. Our kids today, in our world, outside of this church, they know almost nothing about God. So what do they hear in school? What do they hear in the university? Oh, serve God, worship God, open your Bible. Uh, No, they do not hear that. They hear there is no such thing as a God. Every way to heaven is right. So that's why it's a priority for us. You understand? It was a priority for Jesus. Don't listen, he says, disciples. You're wrong. These young people need God. Now, I want to give you this for parents and single parents. Remember God's challenge to you. Yes, your kids are going to be ministered to. Absolutely. From young age, even as they head off to college. But the main place is to be ministered to in the home. Notice. Remember God's challenge. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your 
union. That is the purpose. It's not that your child, when he grows up, will be a person from Harvard or Yale, be the owner of millions of dollars, be an Amazon kind of entrepreneur. Those things are all fine. But when all of that is gone, what does God want? Godly children. The responsibility first is not the church. The responsibility first is the home. And you can do it. Now, we can't change your kids. That's why we still have to pray for kids today who were raised in a home but decided to go their own way. Don't give up. Keep praying. Persistence. Be humbled with that and let God minister to you. Now, when can these children become really born again? Well, four, five, six, seven, in that age. Every child's different, so you don't know. But if a young child comes to you, we have that happening often in our children's ministry. Five, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, they hear a message because they study the Bible back there, and they just say, I'd like to accept Christ. Don't ever turn them away. Just encourage them to say that sinner's prayer and begin that walk with God. Look at verse 17. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, like a little child, will never enter it. Kingdom of God equals heaven. What was he saying? Remember that Jesus uses this, this child's humility, this trust. When you have a little three-year-old and you say, Johnny, Susie, daddy's got his arms. I'll just jump over here. They just, they just trust you. So children are trusting and they're humble. They're not bragging about themselves. They're just humble. And Jesus says, you need to have the attitude of that tax collector. He was honest. He was humble. He admitted his need. And he received God's forgiveness. You see, that's what God wants. By the way, understand this. Remember, in that parable, the Pharisee, by his good works, did he get anywhere? Will he get to heaven by his good works? No, not at all. How do you get to heaven? You saw it in the tax collector. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. That's the only way you get to heaven. You can't get to heaven by being good. You only get to heaven by admitting humbly, I need God's help. And there isn't a person I'm talking to that doesn't need God's help every day. And we have a God, unlike Thunder Airlines, who will not put you on hold, but he will respond to you. He'll minister to you. He'll give you what you need. He hears, he cares, he understands, he comes. His timing, be patient. Wait, because God loves us, and his will is the best will for any of us in any day, any generation, any world. Teach your kids that. Live by it. Pray. Pray with expectation and faith and patience, because God is a good God who cares for his children every single moment of the world. Our world is filled with self-promotion. We're told that the only way to get ahead is to trumpet our achievements to everyone. Pastor Mark, teaching from the book of Luke, told us what God thinks of that attitude. Being honest with ourselves, especially in comparison with God, will give us a more realistic perspective on who we are and will bring us closer to God. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. 
Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. Well, that wraps up another teaching by Pastor Mark. The next message will continue in Luke 18, where Jesus will have an interesting conversation with a ruler. They will be talking about what things or goals in life are the most important ones. Pastor Mark will be unpacking what Jesus had to say about the topic of meaning from an eternal perspective. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.